coat of paint. Of course, the main idea of Purim is the is the hidden hashkacha of Hashem for His people. That's us with hidden. Hidden, it was uh, it looked natural, it looked natural. So the, there was the evil guy. There was a Haman. There was a Hitler. And he he wanted to kill the Jews. He was jealous. He whatever he was, and he had he had the power to do it, and. And, and and then there was a Mordechai, and he just happened to be, he just happened to be, he just happened to be in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, the courtyard of the king, and he just happened to hear the uh, plot, he just happened to know 70 languages of 71, he just happened to do all these things, just happened, a lot of happens. And he uh, just happened to tell his uh, niece about it, and the niece just happened to be the, the queen of the, of the world. Just happened to be the queen of the world. Just just happened to be that the, the king's wife just happened to be. She disobeyed him, and it just happened to be. So the king, the, the king decided to have her executed. Just happened to be that that he listened to the advice of his of his friend Haman, who said you better execute her, otherwise nobody's going to listen to their woman. A, a really silly silly reason, but it just happened to be like that, and therefore. Esther just happened to be the queen, and just happened to be that Mordechai told her of this plot, and it just happened to be that Esther told the king about it, and it just happened to be that the king decided to write it in his book. It just happened to be. And these are the lot of just happened to be. It just happened to be one night the king couldn't sleep. A, lot, a, a, a long while later, he couldn't sleep. So he, it just happened to be that he asked for that book to open up, like they're going to read him a bedtime story. They're going to read him a bedtime story. They're going to be able to fall asleep to the bedtime story. But it just happened to be that the pages of the book just happened to be opened up on the story of Mordechai that he saved the king's life. And it just happened to be that the king asked, what did I do as, as, as appreciation to Mordechai? What did I give him? Did I give him a billion dollars? Did I make him? What did I do? I should have given him everything. He saved my life. And it just happened to be that they told him he didn't do nothing. Uh, Tell the king that he wants to hang Mordechai on the tree that he prepared. It just happened to be, a lot of just happened to be, listen. So therefore, when uh, Haman came to ask Hashverosh, for permission to hang Mordechai on the tree. It just happened to be that the Hashverosh was thinking, what good should I do for Mordechai? I owe my life. So it just happened to be that he asked Haman, hey, what should I do for a guy that I owe him his life? And it just happened to be that Haman said, must be me. Must be me. He's thinking about me, the king. Who's better than me? I'm the best over here. And then Haman told the king, the, you know what he told him? To give, to give Mordechai uh, a ride on the horse that the king rode on, the great Kabul, great Anna, and should put him a, 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 the crown and the, and, the, and the clothing, and the clothing that the king, that the king wore, and uh, parade him around uh, town and say, and, and make an announcement. This is what the king does. This is what the king does to someone that he hafetz bikaro that he likes, that he owes, that he shows appreciation to. This is what he does. The king doesn't want to be a man. And this is a very important thing for the king to do, because to, to, to think, for people to think that somebody would save the life of the king and the king would do nothing for him, is that they would, think, they would say, hey, it doesn't work, to, it's not worthwhile to save the life, the life of the king. Oh, that would be very bad for the king, because who's going to step forward to save his life in the future? So that, that, that's what Hasbirosh uh, had in mind. When he when he uh, gave him that kind of a reward, and it just happened to be that instead invited the Muhammad and Mordechai, Haman and Nechashverosh to the party, a private party. It just happened to be that they invited him again. It just happened to be that Hashverosh was drunk. He was always drunk anyway, but he he, he was yet drunk. And it just happened to be that instead finally had the right timing and was putting the dagger into Haman's heart. Haman said, hey, I'm coming to the party. Must be, must be, it's a, it's a great day. It's a great day for me, it's the best day of my life. I'm coming to the party, I'm being honored by the queen and the king, I'm being honored, what an honor for me. Ah, maybe one day the king will die and I'll be the, I'll be the king and I'll marry Esther. That's what he thought in the back of his mind. That's what this, this wicked man thought in the back of his mind.
It was not enough. Whatever he had was not enough. Never enough. He wanted more. More. More and more. So, so that day he thought that was the greatest day of his life. He's being invited to the party by the queen, to the king's house, to the king's palace. He says, wow, what a day. What a day. But, but you know, just happened to be that that day he was walking, when he was walking in the street with the with the chai, uh, uh, there was a, a bunch of garbage. The uh, potty, the, the, the garbage can, fell on his head. He was all smelly and ooky and, and gushy and terrible. And just happened to be that his daughter threw all that on his head because she thought that, that Mordechai was leading the horse, uh, which Haman was, hang, was hitting, sitting on. So she smashed, she threw the garbage can on the guy that she thought was Mordechai, but it was her own father. And it just happened to be that she jumped out the window too when she, when she, when she saw that it was, it was her father, she committed suicide. And it just happened to be that Esther, that, that the king told Esther, Esther, what do you want from me? I'll give you anything. What, your, your, your wish is my desire. Your wish is my desire, whatever you want. So finally, Esther feels the time is right, and she lets the cat out of the bed, and she says, there's a guy that wants to destroy my whole nation. The king went crazy. What? Destroy your nation? And he wants to kill me and my, my whole family and everybody. What? Who is that? And Esther comes up with the right words, the right amount of words and the right words. Haman hara hazeh. Isar ve'oyev. Haman hara hazeh. Isar ve'oyev. Haman hara hazeh. Six words. Those six words turned around the whole world. Those six words, with those six words, Haman was hanging on the tree the next second. It just happened to be. It just happened to be. Because Hashem's name doesn't appear anywhere there in the Megillah. So everything just happened to be. But we, we, we Jewish people connect the dots. And the Jewish people then certainly connected the dots. And they were wild with Simcha. They went crazy with wildness with Simcha. And the, the Simcha was twofold. They had a simcha, they fell in love with Hashem again, with their free will. And they had a simcha, they fell in love with their, each other, with the Jewish brothers. And gather all the Jews, let them get together. And that's, that is what we have to remember, that's what we remember from the story of Purim, this miracle, 2450 years ago, we're still talking about it. Hashem was pulling all the strings, and yet His name is not mentioned in the Torah. And he's protected B'nai Israel then, he's been protecting B'nai Israel all the way through till our time. You know, you know, the truth of the matter is that Hashem is all, Hashem, that is that this dynamic that Hashem is hidden is always working. Hashem is running the universe. But at the same time, He's able to remain hidden. If you keep your eyes closed, it looks hidden. In order to give us the opportunity to see him and gain reward. Ah. So it means that this is the biggest miracle in the in the world. Listen carefully now. I'm going to give you a secret. If somebody asks you, what's the biggest miracle in the world? Now there's a million big miracles. The fact that your heart's beating, that your brain is working, that your eyes are working, that food disseminates into energy and is able to be digested and the good stuff stays in and the bad stuff goes out in the bathroom. And all these are tremendous miracles. The fact that there's air in the world, that all, all the creatures are existing with the same air, same oxygen, so to speak. And these are, all, those are miracles without it's, it's an unfathomable uh, wisdom that has no end. The more you do, like the Rambam says, the more you dig, the more you find. The more you dig, you can't get to the end of it. But you've got to start digging. You can learn to finish the work. You're never going to finish the work, but you have to start. You got to get started. So the biggest miracle in the world, I'm going to say, is that Hashem can create the universe and planets and animals and oceans. Like we said, this is Parasha. You had the animals and the kosher fish and the kosher birds and the kosher and the and the creepy crawlers and the and the and the and the, and the animals, birds, fish, and creepy crawlers all give you the signs for that stuff that the Hashem created. planets and the animals see the moon and the ocean and the food the food is feeding the whole world it's feeding the whole world and the people also look at all the people in the world sure certainly and and we created the people to benefit 
from all that and still remain hidden. How could he do that? How does he do that? This is an unbelievable, this is the biggest miracle in the world. Hashem's manipulating everything, he's running everything, and, he, and still he's behind the scenes. Well, we have an obligation to lift up those scenes and see all these miracles, at least some of them, of Hashem. At least look in the mirror in the morning. See that you got two eyes. Why do you have two eyes? Why not one eye? Why do you got two ears? Why not two? Well, well, they have to know that Chesed Hashem Hashem runs everything with Chesed, and that's why He gave you two, two eyes. If you have, let's say you're driving in the street, you're driving in the car pretty fast, and a speck of dirt went, go, goes into one eye. Now, if you only had one eye, how are you going to see when driving? It'll be, it'll be a panic. And even when you have two eyes, and something goes into your eye. It's a panicky situation. You get very scared about that. You know, yeah, you, if you close one eye when you're driving, your, your depth perception is not the same. Not the same. But it's good enough for a short, it's good enough for a while. Depth perception. Actually, they do give licenses to people. Hasmashalom, they only have one eye. They give licenses because there's ways to compensate. Body compensates. There are mirrors that compensate for it. It's not as good, certainly. But I believe, but, but it still can be trusted to drive a car. This is uh, uh, Again, what if it's Pekatos went into that eye? Unless maybe he has to drive with a protective lens. I don't know. But I would assume that he, he, he should be driving with a protective lens so no, no dirt or dust gets into his eyes so he'll be able to see with two eyes. Two ears. One ear goes from bed, you got another one to hear. Two arms. In case you, have, you broke one arm, you can use the other arm for a while until the other one gets better. Two kidneys. You don't need two. You can live with one. So these are all things we have to see that Hashem is running and doing and, and, and running things. And still, with all that, He still remains hidden in the world. And now, we see the sun every day. And itself, how does He have and maintain free will? This is unbelievable. It's unbelievable that the sun, Hashem could bring the sun up every day. It's power. It's power, it's kindness, and it's wisdom that are wide open. And we can still, still if free will is maintained, to eat the, uh, to, to, to drive. That is unbelievable that the free will is still maintained. You know, if a if a man has a mashal, let's say a guy went, uh, a guy went into a store, let's say he went into a Walmart, and there's a guard, a security guard, he's got a gun to his back. Can that man shoplift? Can he steal? The guy's got a gun to his back. I would think uh, his free will to steal has been removed because if he steals, he maybe he's going to be shot. Maybe he's going to be taken because he's, he knows he's not going to get away with it. The guy's got a gun right to his back. And he's got uh, 10 video cameras watching him too. So in that kind of a case, the guy has no choice to do it or not to do it. It's just, it's, his choice has been curtailed. So Hashem is able to be wide open in the world. The trees, the vegetation, the animals, the 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 the, uh, the 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 ocean, the sky, the trillions and trillions of stars, all the people, people walking around. There's I don't know billions of people in the, in the world. I don't know how many billion, but uh, none of them look the same. None of them sound the same. None of them think the same. Ah, this is an unbelievable thing. Well, we got to think about that. This is a testimony. A testimony to. The, the greatness and power of the Creator, and yet a person could still walk around the world and think there's no, and think there's nobody watching him, think there's no God in the world. Yes, he should have. He continues to have free will. That's the idea, and that is the biggest miracle. That's unbelievable. So, getting back and chewing on Purim one more time. Purim is our great holiday of Emunah and Ahabat Yisrael that the Jews all over came together, together, just as they done at Har Sinai, which brought down the Torah. And it was this Ahadut, under the leadership of the great Mordechai and Esther, which was followed by Claudius, which was followed by Claudius, that brought the salvation at the time of Purim. It's this Ahabad Hashem Shamayim, Ahadut, which is the catalyst and foundation of generator, uh, generator for the Abad Yisrael, which is actually Abad Hashem. That's the Chidush. Abad Yisrael is Abad Hashem. And Abad Hashem also should, has to be maintained with Abad Yisrael. There's two. There's two main subjects in our Torah, Hashem and Yisrael. Two main subjects. Now you can't see Hashem, but you can see Yisrael. So, for example, your father, your mother, Hashem, gives you a mother and a father. Now that mother and father are certainly sources and, and obligations for uh, Kibbutz Avaim, 
respect and honor to your mother and father in and of, in and of themselves. They gave you life. But they are also, they are really models for respect of Hashem. So when you respect your mother and father, you are respecting Hashem because you can't see Hashem. So Hashem is giving you a flesh and blood model of how to respect and whom to respect. And then by, by honing and developing and, 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 and bringing up that character trait of, which is a, it's a character trait, of respect and respecting and, 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 and being humbled, being humbled by your parents, by, by, by Hashem being humbled in gratitude, therefore you're able to, to uh, achieve. All of this resulted in, in, uh, in re-accepting the Torah. That's uh, the bottom line of the Purim was that we re-accepted the Torah, especially the old Torah with joy. So we have Zechatar called Aderech, and that's what we were talking about, remembering all the journeys of your life. Now, now, you have to be aware of the tragedies that others had suffered also, but from which Hashem had protected you. Hashem protected you from these tragedies. So, that, the rabbi would make a point to tell us that there is no difference made between positive misfort and therefore the mitzvah to make time to remember is not any less less than putting on tefillin. Tefillin. Tefillin is a positive mitzvah and to remember all, your, all, the, all the travels and travails and journeys in your life also positive like eating matzah and pesach. The strategy of remembering Hashem directs how Hashem directed you in, in specific instances in your life will have exponential benefits, including performing a positive mitzvah, as we just said. Number two, it will bring you to increased awareness of the divine providence, hashkacha pratit. It reminds you that you remember the time you fell off the bike, you didn't break your neck? Remember the time you were, were sick in bed, you had a fever, and you had a stomachache, and it was killing you, you thought it was never going to end, but it did. Remember the time that uh, that uh, maybe um, you fell, but everything was okay, or maybe you went, maybe the time you were in the ocean when you were a kid, and a, and a wave came by, and it pulled you under there, and you started to, weren't able to breathe for, for a couple of seconds, you got scared, and maybe you, you, took, in a, uh, uh, you took in a mouthful of water too, and you thought, uh-oh, what's going to be? And you pull up, your, all of a sudden, a few seconds later, you put your head out of the ocean. Ah, you're able to breathe. Wow, it's good to breathe. Remember that time? And, um, and, this, and this will, again, remembering these, these kinds of times will also result in increased emunah and love of Hashem. That's, that's key. Emunah, love of Hashem. And remembering these, remembering will lead to hakarata tov, appreciation and gratitude. You remember, you remember, remember things that Hashem did for you, remember things that your grandparents did for you, your parents did for you, the things that your friends did for you, your boss, your customers, you appreciate gratitude and that will, that will shine, that will hone, that will develop that character trait, which is number one, which is hakarata tov in you, by developing it, by, by exercising it. It will also develop the bitachon and trust in Hashem, since we've seen what He had already done, so He already did for you, and therefore we are confident He will do it continuously in the future. Hey, He did it already, He saved me before, so He'll save me again. We can practice this every night before going to sleep by thinking about one new thing. A bad friend. He had a bad friend. He was no good bad influence. He was doing not good things. He wanted to go to places that weren't good. You know, maybe he was eating unkosher restaurants too. He, maybe he was eating unkosher food. Maybe he was going with unkosher girls. Maybe he was going with all kinds, whatever he was doing, bad stuff. But he was just, you were following him. He was your friend. You, you, were, you were looking up to him. Finally, the day came and he disappeared. You got rid of him. He found another friend. He ditched you. He felt bad for a minute. He stopped calling on you. He stopped calling you. He said, hey, Jack, Jack stopped calling me. He, was, he used to be my good friend. He called me all the time. Go to the movies, go play cards, go call me. Now, he found somebody new. He's ditched you. It's called being ditched. It's a bad feeling. Yeah, I feel bad. I was left, I was left out. 
but that was the best thing that ever happened to you. So you have to thank Hashem, thank you Hashem, that you caused Jack to leave me out, because look what happened to Jack, he, he, came, he came on to no good, and we have to think about that. Think about that. So Rabbi once told me the following four stories that he thanks Hashem for for saving him. Now we have to know the Rabbi had four thousand stories, not four, four thousand stories, and he wrote, he thought about them all the time. Uh, not this, not all of them in the same day, but he thought about all. In fact, I, 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 I don't know if he ever wrote a book on these stories, on this, but there's, in his biography they write about a lot of these stories. Now, he told me face to face the following four stories. Listen to these stories and enjoy them. The first story he told me was. When he was a young boy, I think four or five years old, he was, he was in Baltimore, Maryland, which is which, where he was born, and he was walking in the street, and he tripped over a plank, a board was in the street, board of wood, and he fell over the board of wood, and on the edge of the end of the board of wood, there was a nail protruding from the board. So now, the rabbi showed me with his fingers, he said, see, and he showed me the, the length of the nail, and then he shows me a scar, right, over his brow, or his eyebrow, scar. He goes, and that nail went right in over here. Showed me a scar over his eyebrow, the rabbi. He says, you know, you know, and they took me to the hospital, and I had stitches. And he goes, now what would have happened, the rabbi said, a couple of inches lower, maybe there wouldn't have been a rabbi Miller. Imagine the world without a rabbi Vigdi Miller. Psst. I don't know what would be the world. I don't know what would be, I don't know what it would take. I don't know how many rabbis it would take to, to do the job of Rabbi Vigdi Miller. Nobody's like Rabbi Vigdi Miller. And, 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 Baruch Hashem, he goes, Baruch Hashem, I'm still here. And that next story told me he was in the, in the, uh, in school, and uh, I believe it was public school, and there was a chubby fellow that was in the, in the schoolyard, and he was drinking, it was a cold day, freezing cold day in Baltimore, Maryland, he was drinking cold water. He was drinking cold water. This, uh, this chubby fellow. So, so now he came back into the into the into the schoolhouse, and he and he was drinking. He, he was drinking cold water, and he and he caught an, he, he caught an, a pneumonia. He went to the hospital, and he never came back from the hospital. Then Rabbi said, "But Baruch Hashem, I'm still here. I'm still here. Thank God. I'm looking back." Now he says, "You know." When I was, uh, I know a friend who was 20, he never made it to 21. But Baruch Hashem, I'm still here. The final story he told me, he goes, when he was in Slabatka Yeshiva in uh, Lithuania, in, in Europe, when, from, when he was 24 to, 20, to 24 to 30 years old. 24 to 30 years old, 1932 to 1938. 32 to 38. That's when the Nazis started to gain power, 1938. And he said, I left, I left, I was able to get out of, of Lithuania through miracles and through the fact that I had, I, had an, I was an American citizen, I had an American passport, I was married by then, I had two children, I had two children by then also, and, and, uh, and actually the, 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 the uh, counselor, the council in the Vilna uh, office happened to be also from my hometown, from Baltimore. So when I went there, he was uh, to leave. He was very, very, uh, you know, friendly to me, and I was able to get out of there pretty quickly. So, but, but I want you to know that that all my friends in the Chabzlabatki Yeshiva, most of them were murdered by the Nazis. Ay, 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 ay. The rabbi started to cry a little bit, and he said, "But Baruch Hashem, I'm still here." So he's looking back on his life, how Hashem saved it and saved his life, and many other stories how he when he when he was in his 20s and he wanted to get, uh, he wanted to get, you know, he actually had a chance to get, he wanted to get a job, a job to help his family, uh, to bring Panasat to his family, and he went to the factory and they took the sign down, job has been taken, so, you know, had, had he gotten that job, maybe he'd still be a factory worker. Then he went for another job, he went to try to get a job as a, as a uh, elementary school Rebbe. And he took a train all the way from New York, and the guy that was, there knew him very well, and uh, he actually was a teacher of Rabbi Miller, Rabbi Miller, Mr. Tarshish. And uh, by the time he got to the school, somebody else was interviewed, and he got he and and and, and uh, preceded him, and he got the job. Not as qualified as Rabbi Miller, certainly not. 
But, and he felt bad about that. But this is, this is all miracles that happened to him. And because he didn't get that job, he might have been stuck there. I don't know if he would have... Now, now Parashat Shemini, the Mishkan is being constructed on Rosh. Now, we... of all the wonders and creations of creation that Hashem is getting ready to send our way. And they're all being sent from, from for us to notice. We have to notice them. That's why he's sending them to notice. So let's 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 uh, start. Let's start noticing. Go outside today. Ooh. Take a deep breath of fresh air. Very deep. Fill your lungs. In fact, take a few of them. Be careful. You're going to get a sensation of being a little bit high. You know why? Because oxygen will make you high. You're oxygenating your blood. Take those. Ah, you can get a little high from that. But since you, you oxygenate your blood, we said now you have to know that air is not just plain old air. Air is a concoction. It's a cocktail made up of many parts. Oxygen, nitrogen, carbon dioxide, inert gases, some materials, and water vapor. Rabbi would say it's 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 fun to breathe. It's a pleasure to breathe. Go out there and say it's fun, fun. Some people say fun. It's it's fun to go to the I don't know to go to the soccer match. Maybe that's fun. But unless to get fun out of breathing, maybe it's fun to have a triple decker ice cream cone. Maybe that's fun. It's fun to breathe. It's fun to breathe. You have to realize how much fun to breathe. Look out! So there's some people that have a breathing apparatus to breathe. It's a very big idea. You gotta have that idea. Hayav Adam, you are obligated to have that idea. Bishvili nivraha olam. If I didn't feel it's created for me, I don't gotta. I don't gotta thank Hashem for it. Then I'm being. I'll be an ingrate. But you have to before you thank anybody for anything. You have to realize that you got something, and you have to realize you're getting something from. From somewhere, you got it from your mother, you got it from your father, you got it from your whoever it is, your customer, your supplier. You're getting it from Hashem. When you're getting it, then you could say thank you. You first you got to know that you received it. Then you have to realize how good the the, the sender is, how good he is. He's a, he's a, he sent you something good. You own forever. Now, if we think into the unbelievable creations of the air, creation of the air a little bit more, we will see. The Hesed, power and kindness. This is our obligation. An obligation. Hashem is giving us so many opportunities to gain this wisdom. All creations on earth need one thing to live more than anything else. That is air. Can't, the flowers can't live without air. The trees can't live without air. tank and you cover the top of it the fish will die but hey don't they don't they breathe water but there's air in the water as well and, and therefore they need air as well certainly all people need 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 air the birds need air the uh the animals need air everybody that's created in this world needs air to function to exist to live now that is an unbelievable miracle in and of itself and again it's open miracle and yet Hashem remains hidden he creates one air one fuel that's good for all of the creations across the board you might think hey maybe the, the animal needs a certain kind of air and deer let's say lions eat deer mice don't eat deer chickens don't eat deer every animal needs its own food they have its own food and and hashem gives them its own food some of them eat worms some of them eat grass some of them eat chipmunks those whatever they eat but what's good for one isn't necessarily good for the other so 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 but this is one air that's good for everything that's it's mind-boggling 
mind-boggling. Think about it. One air is good for all the creations. So therefore, and that's why Hashem put more air in the, in the, in the world than anything else. There's more air than water, than food, than apples, apricots, whatever you want to call it, there is more air. Why? Because it's needed. It's more needed. Air is more needed than more needed to sustain life than even than water. And therefore, Hashem in his kindness and in his plan and in his design has put more air in the universe to sustain the universe more than anything else. Now, you shouldn't go through life thinking air is for free. That's a very mis big mis misconception and a wrong attitude. Because you have to say, the world was created for me to thank him for it. So also the air, as, as being that it's so prolific and so vital, it's the thing we have to thank Hashem most for. And it's the thing that Hashem, that people in this world thank Hashem the least for. You hear what I just said? The air is so vital. It's vital for all creation in the world to live. And you can't live without it. We can't live without it more than five or six minutes. And it is so, it's so metziut. It's so available. So available and so vital. And, 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 uh, and yet, it is probably, definitely, the, mo the, the, the item that's so, so much needed and so least appreciated, so least thanked for. When you need something, you got to thank for it. Ask for it and thank for it. Solely because we take it for granted. We take it for granted. Air, air, air. You can breathe air. Take it for granted. So it's incumbent upon everybody to make a system, make a make a part of your part of your daily uh, regimen to stop for a second and say. Take a deep breath. I want to thank you, Hashem, for the air. It's great air. Thank you for the air. Do it right now. Ah, I want to thank you for the air. Now, now, you're head and shoulders above 99% of creation out there. Nobody's thanking for the air. Nobody. Um, and, 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 and now, what are you doing? You're doing a lot of things. First of all, you are now owning the air. When you thank him for it, it's your air. If you don't thank him for it, you're stealing the air. You hear that? It's like when you when you say a beracha over a piece of bread, it becomes your bread. You can eat it. It's your bread. Hashem says, now it's yours. Go ahead. You want to tell you want to have a drink of water? Even from a, a water fountain. Say say the beracha, it becomes your water. If you don't say the beracha, you're stealing the water from Hashem. You're stealing it. The air, not any different. When you say it to Hashem, thank you very much for the air. Now becomes your air. It says, Take as much as you want. It's all yours. No, and also, you have to know that this is incumbent upon all creations. All of the creations in the world have an obligation to thank Hashem for everything that you're getting in this world. Now, Okay, so we see a divine plan and purpose partnership between the air and all of life on our planet. So let's all say thank you for the air. As we said, now, now, now you're gonna thank. Don't, don't tell anybody what it, they'll think you're wacky. But sometimes you got to be wacky. Thank them for the air. So now we're listening carefully. This is a big thing. I tell you now, listen carefully because. This is part of our subject in our parasha this week. Parasha talks about birds, the kosher animals, kosher birds, kosher uh, fish, and the kosher uh, insects. So actually, we have to know that, of course, certainly, Hashem is telling us that, you know, like the, the fish got to have fins, fins and scales. The animals got to have, the animals that Jews can eat, got to have chew the cut and split the hoof. And the birds, Torah only lists the uh, ones you can't eat. The Chachamim gives you signs, but the Torah only the ones you can't eat. Uh, Chachamim tells you, well, the, all the birds that uh, eat flesh, even if they eat fish, the birds that eat fish, plenty. And if they eat, uh, an eagle eats flesh, dead meat, they eat also. They eat rats, they eat all the, anything that they eat. Vultures eat dead bodies. So 
So all these kinds of birds that eat flesh, that's a, a, a common denominator. It's a suit for a Jew to eat them. And, um, it, ha- it has to do, the the Chachamim tells that it has to do with certain nature that the birds have. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cruel nature that they may have. Although, then they're eating this stuff from instinct. And they're eating it certainly to keep them alive. And there's nothing, they don't get punished for eating those things. Not, not at all. So, so, but, but, but being, but however, it's still to eat meat of other, it's still a cruelty. And that goes into the genes and that could be transmitted into the one that eats that item. And uh, we, the Jewish nation, Kiddushim to you. We have to be more pure. We want to, we don't get into that cruelty stuff. We have to protect our neshama. And it only works that way because Hashem said it works that way. We don't understand the, the uh, dynamic of how that works. It's, 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 it's beyond us. But so that's the animals. That's the uh, the animals chew the cud and and split the hoof, and the, the birds we just said. Of course, chicken. Chicken is kosher. The duck is kosher. The turkey is kosher. These are kosher animals. They have the uh, pigeon is kosher. They have the, the you know it's mo- most of the birds in the world are kosher. Most the majority of the b- birds in the world are kosher. And if you see a bird, and you're not uh, if you see a bird, and uh, he's not one of those uh, number of birds that aren't kosher, you could eat him. You can eat the bird. Okay, so even a sparrow is kosher. The pigeon in the street, they're kosher. Not that we eat them, but they're kosher. So, so they have the fish. We said fins and scales. Now, the, the rabbis tell us an amazing thing. If you see a fish that has no scales, then he, if he has no scales, then uh, he's not kosher, certainly. But if he has fins, ah, if he has fins. If he has scales, excuse me, then he, then he, then then he's gonna have fins. If the fish got scales, then you gotta know he has fins. If he doesn't have fins, they probably fell off. But the fish got scales, he's got fins. So the animals have, we said, split hoof. So there are only four animals in the whole wide world. The Torah comes to enumerate them that have one sign and not the other. If you find any other ones, it's gonna be very, uh, it'll be a, a telling sign against that our Torah, which is Hashem's Torah. Only four. You got the camel that has. He chooses cud, doesn't have the split hoof. You got the uh, hyrax or the rock badger that chooses cud, doesn't have a split hoof. You got the rabbit that chooses cud, that has a split hoof. And you got the pig that has got a split hoof but doesn't chew his cud. Only one. One's got a split hoof, doesn't chew his cud. Wow. Even you find an animal that has a, that has a, um, that has a split hoof. Has a split hoof, but you know he's not a pig. He's a split hoof. You look at him; he's not a pig. He's got a, a face of a of a duck. He's got a face of a of a cow. He's not a pig, but he's got a split. But you don't know if he chooses cut or not. You could bank on it that he chooses cut because only a, if he's got a split hoof, only a pig has a split. Hashem's. How can you bank on it? Because God made the world. Hashem made the world. He made all the animals in the world. He knows how he made it. He knows what he made. So we can bank on it. The fact that he tells in the Torah that this is it. But let's get back to the bird. This is a very big lesson I want to tell you today about the birds. Now, 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 I want to tell you one more thing about the birds. Birds is an amazing thing. If you, first of all, all of the creation in the world, you do Hashem Kol Ma'asecha. It's um, Olam. His greatness and his goodness fill the world. And his wisdom is filling the world. But the idea is to pick up your eyes and to see what they're doing. The heavens are talking and be speaking the greatness of Hashem. But you got to open up your eyes and you got to look up at the heavens. So you look at the birds. You go to a, to a zoo, wherever you go, bird pet store, look at a bird. Even in the street, go sit on a park bench, you see a bird landing on the floor. And just examine the bird. It's like examine an orange, examine an apple, examine anything that's natural. But this is a living thing. The, the apple's not living. The bird is living. The apple doesn't breathe air like a bird does. The bird reproduces. The apple don't reproduce. The apple itself, its seeds do, but he doesn't. And now, examine that bird. Look at it carefully. You start to see things that you never saw before. Now you see him all of a sudden spread out his wings and fly. Psh- 
That should make you wild. How could the bird fly? How could he get off the ground? How does he get up there? What amazing thing. He flies and he flies around and he comes back down and he finds what to eat. That's spider web. That's spider. How to fly, how to fly, food, how to propagate in an instinct. It's right there. It's in. It's it's it's, it's encoded in the DNA helix. It is genes. Now, and this bird. Examine him. You got to notice that design is unbelievable design. And in fact, the truth of the matter is, it's the design of a bird that's allowed human beings to design an airplane. Right? Look at the Wright brothers. They made the airplane. What does it have? It has two wings protruding from the sides. Who taught them how to do that? How did it have a, a long fuselage? Uh, the way it's designed and, and the aerodynamics of it. I'm sure the Wright brothers will tell you that they examined a bird. They looked at birds, how they were flying. And that gave them the, the inspiration to make a flying machine. Even a um, flying machine which didn't work. Go back to uh, to um, uh, the great inventor in the uh, 1700s. His flying machine, he thought he was going to fly without a machine. He was going to put uh, uh, wings on his body. It didn't work. He was a tremendous inventor. And he was also a painter. And uh, he was a multifaceted man. Um, in any case, he got that inspiration certainly from the birds as well. Um, so all this, when you see jet planes flying in the sky, you have to know that that, that is a, a, a result of a model that God put in the universe called a bird. So now we see that there's a design of flight. But however, in birds. However, if you look further, you're going to see design and flight in another phyla or segment of creation, and that is in insects. You see a mosquito, you see a dragonfly, you see a regular fly. Those flies, they got wings too. They're able to fly too, just like a bird can. So, ooh, that's an unbelievable thing. So it couldn't be an accident that you got now two different creations that can fly. Can, that's a, that's the, the chances of that happening. Maybe one creation. Now comes along another segment of a creation that, that is displaying the miracle of flight or the design of flight, and that is in mammals. We see a mammal called a bat. A bat is a mammal. It's not, it's not a, a bird. A bat gives birth to its young whole. A bat gives milk to its young. A bat has uh, got hair. A bat, uh, it's on a high level. It's a, it's a mammal. And now creation. Hashem's creation. So that bat no, a bat also has the design of flight. Bats can fly. So we see over here, excuse me, we see bats can fly, bees can fly, and birds can fly. All different types of creations. It can happen by mistake. And you can see that you have fish that can fly. They have flying fish that pop out of the ocean, and they have a design of a wings. But they, they don't fly uh, an extended flight like the bird does. But they fly a bit, and they glide a bit, and they move, and they have, again, that design of flight, which is across the spectrum. So we see here an unbelievable design of bird is singing. Bird is singing, he's chirping. And what is he singing for? We'll go back to our original premise, Bishbilini Braha Olam. It's chirping for one reason, and the reason for the most important reason. There's probably a million reasons, but the number one reason he's chirping is for you. He's chirping for you. The world is created for me to thank him. So what's so good about the bird chirping for me? That's the question. What's so good? Why is it good for the bird to be chirping for me? Well, first of all, you have to notice the chirping. You go out in the morning, every morning, 
And I want you to start listening for the birds chirping. You start listening, you'll hear them every morning. Now, you have to know that when you hear that chirping, it's going to start to make it's going to start to make you happy. It's going to pick up your spirits. That's the way. Why should that be that way? When you hear cows mooing, does that pick up your spirits? When you hear the duck quacking, does that pick up your spirits? If you hear the, the rooster cockle doing, does that? No, it doesn't pick up your spirits. No, no, it doesn't. But when you hear the bird chirping and singing, it picks up your spirits. You hear instrument playing, nice violin playing, or whatever. Playing a nice tune, it also picks up your spirits. Like King David would play on his lyre, L-Y-R-E. And it would pick up the spirits of King King Saul. Pick up his own spirits also. The Levi'im would, would sing in the Beit Midrash. And King pick up their spirits and thereby increase their happiness and be able to attain better service of Hashem through simple. To, to sing... Now, the bird's got no free will. The bird is a bird. It's a bird brain. It's got no free will. But Hashem pro. He wants us to be happy. But you have to notice it, first of all, to be happy. So when you walk in the street, notice the singing. And notice the song of the bird. And now you should say, Oh, Baruch Hashem, you sent me those birds that make me happy. And I'm going to be so thankful. Now Hashem says, Oh, you bird. You're making my creations happy? You know, I'm going to give you a reward. And it's a tremendous. You wear the mother bird, and you get long life for that. What are the, why should you get long life for that? It's a very easy mitzvah just to, just to shoo away the mother bird. To honor your mother and father, you get long life for that. It's a very difficult mitzvah. They say maybe the, the most difficult of all. But how does it figure? So here's how it figures. Shem is saying, you know, you, Mr. Bird, you're making my creations happy with your singing, even though you don't, you don't even know what you're doing. So the fact that you're doing this good thing, I'm going to show my hakarata tov to you, Mr. Bird. I'm going to put you in this mitzvah in the Torah, in my Torah of Shiloh HaKem. And I'm, I'm going to put you in the mitzvah so the person chooses the way the bird, they're going to get long life because you are doing something, a great service for humanity because you're making them happy with your song, even against your free will. You're not doing it with your free will. You're just doing it because you're programmed. But the lesson really is for us. How much more is our reward when we make people happy with our free will, right? How much more is our reward that Hashem is going to give us? Much, much more than the bird. We have to realize that every day. Listen to the birds. They're making people happy. Hashem giving a big reward. So when you see a person and smile, first thing you have to do is smile at a person. That's going to make him happy. That's an automatic knee-jerk reaction. You smile at him. You give him a nice face. You show him that you're interested. You have an expression on your face. You have to have an expression on your face when you see somebody. Don't be like the, the don't be like the bottom of that you're glad to see him. Ah, make the person feel good. That's what they say about the 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 white of a teeth is better than milk. Milk is very good. Satiates the body. It makes you full. It's good for your bones. It's got calcium in there. Very good. But but the white of a person's teeth is even better than milk. How about that big? Because when you encourage somebody, when you give them a big smile, when you show them that you care for them, when they when they feel that somebody likes them in the street, they feel that somebody is out there, feels like you know, makes you feel good about yourself too. This is a feeling that lasts a while. With the milk, maybe it'll last for uh, an hour. That's about it. So that's why it's even better. We had the parad. We had well, last last thought, but a big thought, very big thought. That we had this week's parasha, parasha para, paraduma, and we all know that the paraduma was a very mysterious, mysterious mitzvah. Yehukai, many said King Solomon, very far away. I can't understand.
that's 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 uh, deep deep stuff. Can it can it be explained? It can, but it's it's not for this uh, talk right now. I want to tell you what the rabbis asked a quick question. Paraduma comes from the Tumat Met. You have to if a guy gets defiled, if a Jew gets defiled by a dead body or under the under the roof of a dead body, that's the highest level of Tumah. And he has to go about this special ritual of called Paraduma. It means they got to find this red cow. They only found I think seven of them in history. It's perfect. It never had a yoke on his back. It would never it never tilled the field. And they take him. They take a big fat knife and they make shechita on him, just like they have shechita on kosher, kosher meat. They slit his throat. So then they take that carcass and they burn him to a crisp. To a crisp, burn him down to ashes. They get some ashes down. All he's left, all left is that cow is ashes. And now they take this specially drawn water and they mix it with the water and they sprinkle the guy with this water and then boom, he becomes he becomes clear, becomes clean. So. Question the rabbi is like this. Here's the question. Think of the question. The question is, what is it about Tumat Met that makes it Abi Abota Tumat? How come the, the being defiled by a dead body is the highest level of uncleanliness, spiritual uncleanliness? Because you know there's other kinds of Tumat besides it. Besides it, if you touch a dead uh, a dead animal, a dead uh, sheretz, you have uh, Midras, Tumat Nida, other kinds. But there's nothing higher level. Nothing needs a, a Paraduma except Tumat Met. So that's the question. Why does the defilement of the dead body need this such a ritual? And how about the other defilements don't? What? What made, why so heavy? So the big answer is like this. The answer is because you have to know death. Listen carefully now. Death is the biggest sheker in the whole wide world. Death is the biggest falsehood. It's a lie. It's a sheker. Because death itself is really hiding or attempting to hide the biggest truth in the whole wide world. And the biggest truth in the whole wide world is Olam Abba, that there's another world, there's Olam Abba. The end of the world isn't over here. The end of life is not a hole in the ground, chas v'shalom. That's not the end of life. When they put that casket in the ground, you have to know there's another door on the other side of that casket. When a guy goes into that casket, once he's, they cover him up, the other door opens up, and that's when the... Sometimes people don't get it all over here, and they can't pay them enough over here for a mitzvah. You put a quarter in the box, they can't pay you enough over here for that. They pay you forever. You put on tefillin over here, you can't pay it for that. Eat mitzvah, matzah. You have to. You have a, a lulav and etrog. You do any of the six, six thirteen mitzvot. They give you a little, a little uh, uh, interest for it over here, but they can't pay you for it over here. They can only pay because it's not enough here to pay you for it. Not enough money here to pay you with it. But they pay you in lama and that's our. That's a, that. That is a yesod of our religion, Olam Abba, that it's forever. And of course, Rabbi always said, "Don't be in a rush to get there. Always look both ways when you cross the street." And we should have a nice long life. And after a nice long life, because that Hashem will all get the merit to see the Abot Kedoshim and all our dearly departed in Olam Abba. Have a great day.